Anthony and Todd Show, a weekly podcast that critiques and memes music. I'm your host, Vincent, a.k.a. Drunk Shirt, and I'm joined by my ever-attentive co-host, my best friend, my pal, my amigo, my droog, Jonathan. A.k.a. Hush, little baby. Don't say a word. Ever. Just ever again. <laughs> never, never again. Never again. Uh, this is episode 136 of the Anthony and Todd Show, an episode we would like to call Viagra with the Boys. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need it. Do you need it? Are you trying to tell no. me something, Vincent? <laughs> no, not yet. After the little, I think the little baby album made me, uh, what is it? Agnept. Understandable. Yeah. Uh, so today you might notice some differences. I'm, I'm still here. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You get to see my ugly face video watchers, but, uh, Jonathan is remotely doing this. Uh, we're going to, this is going to be the way things are for the current time being because of because of the, the the coronavirus and uh also i i heard uh little baby made an album so that's probably also why it, that that's contagious too you don't want to catch the little baby album i'm not present anymore i am <laughs> i'm at home staying safe are you sure yes you, you could have just lied and said you're somewhere way cooler because there's no video for you that's true i'm in the bahamas <laughs> No, that's not cool. <laughs> I'm in Russia. You should have said you're at the heart of the coronavirus. You're in the middle of Walmart hoarding all the toilet paper. <laughs> I'm not buying it. I'm just not letting anyone else buy it. <laughs> you made your own fort of toilet paper. Exactly. You're the natural resource of the world. That's why everyone's taking it up. Uh, today, we got a, a ton of reviews coming at you with wasted shirt with fungus Two, we got Viagra Boys with their new EP, Common Sense. We have Body Count, fronted by Ice-T with Carnivore. And Little Baby with, with My Turn. It is, it is his turn to make a bad album. Russ, Russ had the chance at the turn, and now it's his turn to make, make bad music. Uh, before we start, you can find The Anthony and Todd Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Anthony and Todd. You can find us at YouTube.com forward slash The Anthony and Todd Show, and you can find us at Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, and Spotify by searching mm-hmm. The Anthony and Todd Show in your favorite podcast browser. Without any further ado, it's time to do Biag- Bi- Biagra. No, Biagra. Biagra. Viagra with the boys, uh, going over this latest Viagra boys EP, Common Sense. Uh, um, Viagra, <laughs> Common is light, yeah. And love our red valleys of blood. Yep. Uh, Viagra boys is a Stockholm, Sweden, post punk slash punk band currently signed to Year O O One. Punk is they're purely just post punk at this point. Yeah, they've 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 abandoned all of the like more punk sensibilities and truly, truly just dived into the post punk at this point. So they're just a post punk band. Yeah. Uh, the funny thing about their label, the two most notable acts besides them are Young Lean and Blade, uh, which are I, I hate to break it to you, not post punk. <laughs> no, they're not. But a uh, cloud rap kind of. Uh, yeah, Young Lean's cloud rap, I guess. Kind of, I don't know, maybe emo rap. I'm not too familiar with Mr. Mister Lean himself. Uh, they put out, uh, Viagra Boys put out a terrific album in 2018 called Street Worms, which was eclectic, strange, had some nice brass and horns on it. It was 
uh, truly fronted by some, the frontman Sebastian Murphy's weird, unorthodox, uh, twangy, strange character, uh, creating um, weird tracks like Sports, Just Like You, Shrimp Shack, Worms. We reviewed this album, the Deluxe Edition, last year, and we absolutely loved it for it being just a complete, insane post-punk oddity. Yeah. Uh, it was nominated for for the Swedish Grammy, which is the Grammys. The Grammys. I I don't. I, I thought don't... that was a mascot. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> uh, I could I could say I hate you still digitally. There's there's a realm of about forty minutes between us, but even in this distance, I still hate you. Uh, this new EP. You'll know essentially... it's forty minutes. You'll know where I'm at. Oh yeah, you're in the you're in the toilet paper fort. I forgot. With all your natural resources. Oh, it's it's a toilet paper fort, but you glue it with the hand sanitizer. <laughs> I don't know if that would work as glue though. <laughs> toilet paper wouldn't work as walls. <laughs> That's fair. Or maybe you like maybe you lubricate it and then it somehow through the process of lubricating the toilet paper it becomes hard or maybe some like weird paper mache type <laughs> mess. I don't know. I think I'm overthinking this. You're, over, you're definitely overthinking it. <laughs> but this new uh, EP, Common Sense, is four tracks, 14 minutes, and it is, it is essentially uh, an indicator of why their last studio album is so great. You know, it's also an indicator of why, in the future, uh, Viagra Boys is going to be an artist or an act to watch. It's a sound similar of the realm of Street Worms, but there are some new ideas and new, I guess, stylistic moments that they kind of mess with on here. Like, Blue, I think, is the biggest switch up on this because it's it's a weird post-punk moment that kind of reminds me of King Cruel because of, like, the punk-jazz strange personality hybrid going on there. Uh, there's a lovely personality-driven feral vocals from Sebastian. They use their instrumentation in a hybrid that makes sense on paper. It's more of a, a true-to-form solid idea whereas like some of the other collaborations of genre on here with the horns are kind of unorthodox or the weird synths that will occasionally pop up or just strange it's something that on paper necessarily wouldn't make a lot of sense yeah and then you've uh, got uh like their first the title track common sense which is kind of just with its extremely funky version of post-punk is kind of from reminiscent of that last parquet courts album wide awake yeah it uh it's talking about uh essentially where a lot of people are it's talking about one uh abuse of like substance abuse in some aspects but it's or failure of uh one individual person but also in the sense of where i think a lot of people are in the sense of where like common sense is kind of just thrown out of the window <laughs> at this yeah. point in time and uh the lyrics why do the drugs always go to right to my head why can't i remember the fucked up things i did why do i always end up pissing the bend why can't i have a little bit of common sense uh, there's a sonically appealing blend of creamy synths, trumpet, sax, and this very consistent, gnarly guitar adding a bit of grit to the mix. Uh, look the bad. All their idiosyncrasies are on full effect with the harsh and glitzy synths mixing with this grady, twangy guitar and out-of-place trumpet and sax and make this strange mix of personality. Uh, I think kind of talking about uh, cocaine, but 
because it mentions lick the bag, but it could also be about fun dip. They could be huge fun dip or pixie stick fanatics. Or it could be, you know, sniffing glue so that you do that out of a bag. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Do you lick glue? I mean... I thought you snorted glue. I mean, you generally glue. snort it. Huff it. You also yeah. generally snort cocaine. Yeah. And fun dip. <laughs> I don't think so, Jonathan. I think you were wrong about one of those things. Have I been eating fun dip wrong this whole time? Yeah, no, you're supposed to shove it up your rectum. Oh, okay, that actually makes a lot of sense. I'll do that from now on. And uh, my favorite track on this Sentinel Island, which is essentially about imperialization, westernization of someone going to this native, untouched colony and uh, just trying to introduce them to Western things, whether it's religion, but also partying uh, and heroin and heroin. Uh, Apparently they're uh, missionaries straight out of Dayton, Ohio. (laughs) Uh, the only things they know is do heroin, party, weird billboards that tell you you're going to hell. <laughs> With lyricism like, I'm going to the island of the Sentinels, I'll bring you lots of heroin and fentanyl. They told me I'm not welcome, man, but what the hell, I hope somehow my death was a little bit meaningful. While here on the island, they live a life of violence, but once they read my Bible, they know how to live like you and I do. Want to teach them how to party and teach them how to drive. <laughs> Just this, this one this one person who thinks, who's glorifying his own existence of trying to appear better by introducing these things to people who definitely don't need them because they're getting just fine without them. Uh, These ideas, these concepts, these drugs, (laughs) and uh, glorifying himself in the nature to make himself out to be bigger than himself by just introducing basic things or basic philosophies to him to make them lives even worse in the end run and how westernization, imperialization is, is, is terrible in a general sense. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's all I really have to say. We covered all four of those tracks. I think this is actually, in some sense, I think they are growing in a lot of ways on this, and I'm really excited that whatever they produce in the future has more risks like some of the tracks on here, like Sentinel Island or Blue have on here. Um, I hope they continue to grow, and I hope whatever is their next album is, I hope it gets a little bit more publicity here in the States because I felt like their last album, Street Worms, was very slept on. It, it was. And I do, I agree, it seems like they're growing. I'm hoping they're growing kind of in the way where Tropical Fuckstorm grew, where they don't really, like, betray their sound and the things that they're known for, but they're experimenting with it, trying to get more risks with it than they did in the previous album. Yeah, because Sacket, um, Tropical Fuckstorm's last album was more psychedelic compared to their first one, which was very harsh, uh, harsh root and porous punk influence, but also surreal. I think that's another adjective you use to describe it. Um, but keep in all score, mind in all scores of, uh, keep in mind in all scores of futile minus right now. I think this is a seven plus. I really enjoyed the CP. Yeah. Seven, seven plus seven and a half, eight, somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah. And, uh, time to move forward are you are you ready to to find some mushrooms two of them to be exact the second mushroom wait so who's fungus one who's fungus two among us i think i'm fungus one and you're fungus two okay cool so you don't Uh, exist (laughs) uh yeah that's that's true yeah uh fungus two electric fungaloo 
I hate you. Uh, <laughs> I hate you so much. Like, I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, time to go to the latest Wasted Shirt album, Fungus 2. It's also the first uh, and only Wasted Shirt album. <laughs> There's no Fungus 1. No. Uh, Wasted Shirt is the duo of Ty Seagal and Black Pus. Ty Seagal being a prolific California garage rock slash indie rock artist and Black Puss, a.k.a. Brian Chippendale, is the drummer and vocalist of noise rock band Lightning Bolt, who we reviewed their last album, Sonic Sinadel, earlier this year uh, as a part of the 2019 uh, recap. Or uh, what did we call it? 2019 catch up. That's what we call oh, yeah, it. Yeah, like catch up, whatever. Uh, we th- I, I think as time goes on, I don't feel like I enjoyed that project as much as I did at the time i think it sonically was like a fever dream at parts but i think it replayed a lot of the same things over and over again it's an album i haven't gone back to since the review in any capacity and when comparing that last lightning bolt album to this album i think both of them have similar flaws in which i think the performances vocally are strange they are weird but they are not enough to support or, um a differentiating style or like not a differentiating style but the same palette because essentially that's what we're getting we're getting various different colors of the same palette on this and it's really interesting there's some really cool moments i think my favorite moment thus far is all is lost the opening because you get that weird scream to start everything off you get this manic guitar and drums like in the cold open then you get this ravenous drum and screeching vocals like this like wailing vocals uh the song makes my feelings hurt they just make all my feelings in my mouth like ache um I think it's sonically just strange, out there, ravenous, uh, untamed. But going after that, we get a lot of these fun little trippy headaches, but they don't really amount more into a grander scream than just like fun little production moments. But more or less, they're just same in the general scheme of the album. Yeah, there's no real sense of structure to the album. Yeah. It's just like a collection. It's like a collage of like noise sounds. And while sometimes, you know, that's kind of cool. There's like really cool moments. I really love the like glitchy percussion on Harsh Show. Yeah. And I really love some of the like just weirder moments that kind of happen throughout these tracks. There's not a strong through line. Yeah. Throughout everything. Not like because like obviously it's in the noise realm. So we have to compare it to like some of our noise artists a little bit. But like girl band and daughters usually their albums while they're still pretty one note ish in terms of like they really have this one thing that they're going for there's a through line throughout their album of like waves and changing textures and in the case of daughters a storyline yeah and it kind of helps you push through the album and adds a sense of structure to the chaos as a whole this doesn't add it and where you one might think that might make it more chaotic it really doesn't it just makes it feel kind of aimless yeah um i think the worst two tracks on this are the last two tracks uh eagle slaughters graduation and force dangers enter the cement at dusk uh these are just really normal garage rock tracks uh they're more consistent i think in tone they like complement each other well they don't feel as adventurous 
as the rest of the album. Um, I like how the end of Four Stra- uh, Strangers has this weird, like, car horn sound of the second half. I, I think that's fun, but, like, it really needs a lot more experimentation yeah. uh, to really, I think, make itself feel worthwhile in the end. Especially as a closer to an album, it just feels very unworth un un uh it feels very un noteworthy. Yeah. Or just a really just bland outro because you've had some of these moments of just strange oddity and then you just close with something pretty simple. Yeah, it's very anticlimactic for an album like this. Yeah. Because like again, going back to like the Daughters album, it's a harsh, dark album and they kind of build up to the final track, um, like cellar door or garage door oh it's it's something door and how like it's just kind of everything just crashing down all at once and it has this great painful impact to the album and then this album it just kind of ends on a whimper and it doesn't really go anywhere yeah there's some really fun uh gurgly mess of harsh vocals out here on times there's some really nice distortion but not all these elements aren't enough to carry the 31 minutes of material on here and when they're there they're almost there for a little bit too long uh one other noteworthy moment i think the track fungus 2 which has a uh, denis seagal on it has this really interesting pitch vocals over the like this fairly sporadic percussion i think is nice but other than that like that's one mix up in everything else that like stands out a bit but it's only there for like a minute yeah it's not around for long enough so like a lot of these tracks i think are like almost fit that nature where like it lasts for about a minute but they spread out for way longer yeah where the ideas don't really hold the tracks together for as long as the tracks are yeah i think um, as a whole though i do consider this album more noteworthy and more worth going back to just because it's in weird moments yeah are more of a standout than the last lightning bolt album yeah and i think it varies a little bit more than their last album but i still think it has a lot a, of a de- just fundamental structuring issues yeah I think it has a, a, a decent amount of the same problems that the last Lightning Bolt album had. Keep in mind, though, of course, if you tell me this right now, I'm feeling a five to six on this. I'm feeling a six. I think I gave Lightning Bolt a five. So yeah. Uh, and that was that was that was the second fungus. That was the second fungus. <laughs> that was the second fungus. And it is no longer among us. Yeah, I hate you. <laughs> Time to. <laughs> I can't, I've tried to come up with a funny transition. I really can't. I mean, there's a lot of things we could reference with the title of this, but we probably shouldn't. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say I'm gonna kill you, and that's gonna be part of my body count. But I think that would be a little bit offensive. Maybe. Um. But speaking of which, time to go over the let's, latest. Let's sink our teeth into the meat of this next album. Oh, that was good. That Carnivore. was good. Time to go over the latest body count album. Carnivore. Body Count is a LA-based heavy metal thrash metal band founded by Ice-T, who you may know from Law & Order SVU, and uh, Also, he had like a rap career or something. He had a decent rap career, but (laughs) I'm not familiar with it. Like, I know it exists. I know he's noteworthy in the aspects of it, but I couldn't tell you a single Ice-T song. I (laughs) can't either. 
Except for the ones that are on here that he, like, remade for this. Yeah. I think the only, like, real Ice-T song before, like, all of this that I knew was actually a Body Count song. And that was the, uh, like, Cop Killer one because of just the controversy surrounding it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go over some of the names of these members because these are these are getting onto Hollywood Undead level names. Are you, are you ready? Yeah. So you got Ice-T on lead vocals. That's That's pretty weird. Uh, Ernie C on guitars, Sean E. Sean on sampler, Vincent Price on bass. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's illegal. <laughs> Just to He's steal dead. somebody's name like that. Uh, Will, oh, here's a good one. Will L. Will Dorsey Jr. on drums. That's the this worst next... fake name involving Will since Will I am. <laughs> here's the next one's amazing. One of the dead on guitars. And then Little Ice is a hype man. That's a pretty good name. I like that one. Yeah. Because he's he's fundamentally a smaller version of Ice-T. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, so this album, I like I had no idea who Body Count were. I'm just going to be forefrontal on this. So like the names sounded familiar, but I didn't know who they are. The who name they sounds were. like a shitty cover band of Show Me the Body. <laughs> The name sounded very familiar, but I don't know why. And then I, uh, I, I Google searched it and I found out Ice-T was a, a part of this. And I had no fundamental idea of their history. So I, I can't speak on that, the history part of Body Count. Um, um, I, I did a little bit of research trying to figure but out. Let me, let me finish. Let me finish. Uh, so I was going into this just like out of pure curiosity in the year 2020. How is Ice-T going to make... A metal album. Like, I just wanted to know what that would be. Not bad. Yeah, but like, compared to some other things we reviewed this year, like... Oh, no, it's it, not the worst. It's just like unnoteworthy. <laughs> it's, it's both really bad, but also bizarrely not worthwhile. For yeah, how like, weird no, of a thing it is. I think it's just like unnoteworthy in both how Ice T isn't terrible at it because he just blends in like his vocals are are decent on this. I only think like, the thing is weird is like he's trying so hard to like not rap, but he's not trying to sing like you would for like a metal album. So it yeah. doesn't come across like a traditional metal vocalist. It comes across as a shitty Hollywood undead vocal sometimes. Yeah, but he's like. In the grander scheme of things, I think he's not that terrible. Like, I'm not saying he's, like, amazing or anything like that. I just think he's just he very... He just talks. He's just bland. Yeah. Like, I think he blends in with the instrumentation fine, so it, he doesn't stand out like a store thumb or anything. Like, he fits his background, but it isn't good. Like, there isn't no anything noteworthy about him, except for he doesn't clash with it. I think some of the other people that bring on, like, clash way more than him. I think, uh... Oh, where's my notes? Oh, there we go. I think Riley Gale of Power Trip just completely clashes with him and the production. Like, he, he sounds like someone trying to replicate Screamo, not like someone who can actually scream. And also, uh, Jeremy, Jamey Josta of Hatebreed on this, uh, just completely, like, is just fundamentally clashing with Ice-T to the point where it ruins the track. Because these two things do not mix. <laughs> like, please stop trying to blend them together. But weirdly enough, Amy Lee of Evanescence is on this thing. And uh, she and Ice-T don't have like a super ton of chemistry or anything like that. But like her performance as a whole, it's fine. 
here's the fate of Amy Lee. I know Evanescence is a giant meme because of Wake Me Up. Yeah. Understandably, justifiably a meme. But Amy Lee is consistently, like, whenever she features on, like, another artist's work, she's always fine. She always does, like, great. Like, she's the best part of a Seaver track, which is hard to be a good part of a Seaver track. Was that the one they used for Daredevil? Uh, probably. <laughs> I don't, I don't try to, I try not to think about that movie. I think, like, Evanescence, weird thing that kind of made me realize. I think Evanescence were superly, uh, not innovative, but influential. Yeah. They're like this weird, like. And, like, not in the way that they were doing anything completely new or anything like that. But I think Amy Lee's voice inspired like a decade worth of female female vocalists and metal to just do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, is it a good thing? Not really. But like she does have influence over a large genre. I think what they did that was most important was they kind of brought weird goth rock and balladry to like mainstream alternative rock and metal. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. much all they really did. That's a good point. Um, but going back to body count, uh, we get some we get some 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 good cringe on here. Uh, the track "Carnivore" sounds like a, 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 a like if you got a conservative Christian to write a metal song like what they think traditional metal lyricism is it's just this like edgy really shitty material you would get this track uh all i leave is blood and bones closer to death considered fresh i crave for the taste of flesh carnivorous and it's god's will just like it's undeniably just edgy like ice tea's sounding like lyricism sounds like ice tea's like a, a werewolf or something <laughs> like lyricism that would fit perfectly in like a spiritual sequel to this is spinal tap, but focused on like nineties <laughs> and early two thousands metal. Yeah. Uh, point uh, on bum rush. It's talking about like a, a revolution and it describes it as a bum rush. <laughs> like the defiance of capitalism is just a bum rush. <laughs> like what the fuck? Like, like can't stop the bum rush a million strong and we all bust <laughs> we didn't fall fail fall prey to your bullshit lies propaganda of the twisted minds which i think that line right there kind of brings me to what i have is a really big issue with this album this album is trying to talk about like a lot of like really important political topics yeah like these ideas are important but the way they go about them, I cannot take what they're saying seriously. Yeah, uh, here's a good one. When I'm Gone, the track featuring Amy Lee, uh, starts off Ice-T's being really, like, trying to be down to earth. He does not seem like a person at all. Um, he, like, when he he does this a couple times, like, these, like, down to earth, quiet moments where he's just talking to the mic. Uh, it doesn't work. He doesn't he doesn't seem human. It seems like he's reading from a script, uh, but he's talking about I, I think we're recording this album when Nipsey Hussle died and it, it got me thinking about death. And then he has this song about death and it is like it. It doesn't fundamentally feel human. Like it feels like somewhat like an alien trying to explain death to like a human like it's someone who's so disconnected from the matter it doesn't doesn't make any sense yeah like 
there's there's lyricism talking about uh, don't don't call me when I'm dead or don't miss me when I'm dead because that's the only op- like love me now don't love me when I'm dead because like it's talking about mourning and death in such a one dimensional way where it seems like a fifth grader who just read like some philosophies trying to tell me what death really means and uh it, it is it is flat it is so uninterestingly boring one dimensional that it really <laughs> it really just it's one of those moments where like I kind of wish he didn't like mention Nipsey Hussle because Nipsey Hussle's legacy has been fronted by artists <laughs> like referencing him. Some good like the, the latest Meek Mill tracks, pretty decent. The letter to Nipsey, that's pretty decent. But YG's last album that was dedicated to him. Ooh, Lordy, that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> In this track, it's uh, it's it's bad. Yeah, we need to stop making art to honor him and just like say things that are honoring yeah to him like every time it seems like people are trying to like make art it just it comes off really badly and yeah. i also feel like that's it's bordering on exploitative at this point yeah um um another moment at least for ice tea for someone who i don't know i don't know the relationship if there was one but like that's just like i don't know i don't think the track really needed a memo to like open up what it was really about. It just seems like you name dropped them for no reason. Yeah. Um, other terrible moments on here. Uh, the critical beatdown has a moment where the, the critical deep down reminded me of a 93 punks track. <laughs> yeah. Especially when they just started putting cheesy punching sound effects over the I fucking track. About that. And I was listening to the song, and the first thing I listened to was like, nah, that's not real. That can't be real. So I replayed the song, and I got to that part again. I was like, holy shit, that's fucking real. Because <laughs> it's so fucking, A, just by concept, terrible. Like, it's a terrible concept. But then it's done even worse than the very concept itself, because they use just the cheesiest punching sound effects they could possibly use. Yeah. Uh, time to get the Holy Grail. Are you ready for this? Do you know what the Holy Grail is, Jonathan? Or should Ace of Spades cover? Yes. So it's one of these humanizing moments where Ice-T's talking to the mic and he's like, yo, we like to, every, every body count album, we like to play a tribute to an artist we respect or an icon. And then it's talking about Lemmy, who passed away two, three years ago at this point. Yeah, he needs a lot uh, more respect than this. The, the front man of Motorhead. Most and importantly, bassist. known not for Motorhead's legacy, but his, his WBC music legacy. <laughs> Fuck you. Ace is, okay, I'm going to just get a little personal here. Um, Ace of Spades is, to this day, still one of my favorite songs of all time. I know it's a pretty cheesy song. But it's just such a well-made, no-fucks-given Motorhead track. Yeah, no, I think that's one of the things I respect about Motorhead is they fundamentally... Just don't from, care. From my listening, was just all, they were always kind of just doing what they did. They didn't really, like... While the material didn't progress, it was fundamentally always, like, what they envisioned it to be. Yeah, and I love that track. That was one of the few tracks off, like, the... Tony Hawk games that wasn't a fucking ska punk which, song. Which one was that? I can't remember. Uh, I think it was two that had it on there. 
Pro but, Skater 2. But, like, so much of those tracks were always just ska punk. And even back when I was a kid, I still hated ska punk back then. But this track was on there, and it made me sometimes just tolerate listening to all the ska punk shit just so that I could occasionally hear that song as well. Yeah. Um, but their cover of this is uh emotionless it's like lemmy the thing that he had is he had this grimy ass voice like like the stories you hear of lemmy and how he like like i like like he had this bar that he always would frequent and he would always drink like a bottle of jack daniels a day or some crazy shit like that like characteristics of his voice matched like the like the the legend stories or the the, the urban legends you hear about him it's just like a truly defining voice, like gritty, uh, just like grimy. Um, and like Ice-T is just is none of that. None. And he isn't anything new either. So it's just it's so bland and forgettable <laughs> that it's just it's it's just so bad. Like, it's just like this is probably the worst track on here because it's fundamentally doing what the rest of the album is, is doing nothing new. But since it has something attached to it, that's like actually good. It's just it like makes it even worse. Yeah, I think the only moment that is worse than that is the shitty punch and sound effects. But that's only part of a song. This is still yeah. as a whole song. Terrible. Yeah. Um, and that's the album. I. It's disappointing because it's it's one not as bad as I wanted it to be. We're not we're not getting into the '93 punk territory where, where they're developing a whole entire new range of bad for me to critique. No, we're getting the like Hollywood Undead range, uh, New Empire Volume One, where it's it's just it is it's just boring to the core of what modern like pop metal is. And taking no risk and having no substance, just recreating past trends that have been like decades long old at this point, and uh, just being really boring. It's incredibly boring. Yeah, but there's no there's no substance here to make it good either. So it's not it's not good album. It's not bad album. It's just what is a bad album? But it's not interestingly. Yeah, bad. it's, it's not bad in a way that's worth taking note of. Yeah, uh, keep my all scores. If you telling me it's right now, I'm feeling a, a three plus on this. Yeah, I was feeling the free. Yeah. And are you, are you, are you, are you, is it your turn, Jonathan? (laughs) It's my turn to want to fucking leave. (laughs) Time to go over the latest little baby album. My turn. It's his turn. He, he told, he said, he called his mom up and she said, it's his turn with the Xbox. Uh, little baby Atlanta MC quality control artist, uh, which I was actually surprised because I, for the longest time, I thought he was part of Young Thugs, um, Young Thugs. What is it? It's the, the the Young Stoner record label. I thought he was part of that, but uh, Young Stoner Life Records. But apparently, he's he's always just been quality control. Uh, he's a running mate of Gunna, who the two of them put together, uh, dripped harder, in uh, twenty eighteen uh, album. I could never fundamentally finish. Uh, it's just so intolerably boring. Uh, I, I can't even explain it. Like, Little Baby is so nasally and just, like, unapologetically boring that it just brings me to tears. And when you add Gunna, who's someone who's just so nerdy and uncomfortable on these tracks, it just made for a colossal storm of just terrible 
it was so boring, so flawed, such a mess. These are like D-list rappers on like just a terrible track or, or just a terrible album that I, I could never stomach all the way to, to through to finish. And then following up, we're getting we got Gunna's uh, Dripper Drown 2 last year. Really nerdy, uh, fall like so flat and boring. Uh, and I was really expecting when the next little baby studio album would come out and what what kind of effect it would have on the mainstream, um, if any, because uh, Little Baby seems like the more popular out of Gunna in him. So uh, I was I was I was I was praying that whatever he dropped, one, what wasn't popular and uh, two was maybe good because like he has has some features the last couple years that have been tolerable. I think out of the two, he has the most potential to be probably the more tolerable on features. Um, at least on the last Jack boys album, the Schoolboy Q album from last year. I think he's, he's either ironically bad or, or tolerable or ironically good or tolerable. Um, you got neither said, of those things on this album. Yeah. Uh, on this album, he said, uh, my turn, he says, I called it my turn because I feel like everyone else had a little turn. It's my turn now. Everybody dropped their mixtapes, their albums, go number one, go number two, go number three. Now it's his turn. Uh, so this album's a, a commercial success. Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 12 of the songs off this album reached the Billboard Hot 100 chart which gave him a career total of 47 songs on the chart. Here's the kicker. Putting him at a tie with Prince and Paul McCartney. Just let that sink in for a second. Prince, Paul McCartney, Little Baby, all on the same level. And you know what's probably saddest about this? What? He will make more music. Prince obviously can't. Paul McCartney isn't making good music. Paul McCartney shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. So he will most likely surpass him. <laughs> he will make more music. It will go that high up and he will surpass them. So what? what is what is this album? Well, it's 20 songs, one hour. And it's an album that fundamentally broke me. Um, it, it, like, it, what, there is one thing that I will give this album credit for. It lets you know what you're in for from the exact moment you read the first (laughs) title because you know that it's about to get ugly. (laughs) Yeah, the first track is called Get Ugly. And uh, uh, I think I think Jonathan's experience with this album is is more is more better than mine. So I think I I would like to to explain your first listening of this album. So I listened to this album on my way to record something with you. Um, I put it in my playlist for albums to listen to for the reviews. It was right after Wasted Shirt. So I finished Wasted Shirt because the drive is longer than that album. And then Get Ugly started. And then right around that time, I got a headache. Like a really, really bad headache. And every moment of those few minutes trying to drive, it took me five of those tracks to finish up and I would put it at about like 15 minutes so those last 15 minutes of that drive was pure torture um this album gave me a headache made my eyes hurt which i was driving <laughs> so that was a bad thing 
um, and just generally offended me by how bad it sounded. Because Get Ugly has this horrible, horrible auto-tune that's so badly used that it just turns into a pure grating scratching on your eardrum. Yeah, Little Baby's auto-tune on this sounds like my ears are getting blended together with a cheese grater. And the, Um, the mixing is so dense in a bad way. Like, you can have dense mixing and, like, noise music where it adds, like, texture. This is dense in a way that Captain Beefheart would fucking cream his pants over. (laughs) Because it is dense and grating in a way that is just so fundamentally painful to listen to because it doesn't boost anything. It doesn't create a texture. It just creates nails on a chalkboard in music. So what you're saying is this is a true experimental masterpiece. No. Because whereas Captain Beefheart created that gradiness for like complicated song structures and weird tempo shifts, this created it purely by just making bad sounds and just layering them on top of each other with no regard for quality, enjoyment, listenability, humanity. <laughs> he broke the Geneva Convention. This album is a war crime. Because people joke all the time about, oh, this album's torture. You could use it to torture people. You could use this album to torture people because it is physically painful to listen to. Um, This album makes me feel bad for every other album I ever gave a zero. Because retroactively, they are all ones now because they don't deserve to be in the same category as this album. Um. So what is what is wrong with this album? If I do explain it in the bass core, the production is not the thing that's wrong with this. Um, it is it's just, just a bland, basic trap production. It doesn't it doesn't dilute anything. It doesn't complicate anything. What is wrong about this? This album is little baby. The key feature to the little baby album should be little baby. And the key thing wrong with this album is little baby. <laughs> One, he's he's at times so quiet, it is so fundamentally boring. And at times he's so nasally and weirdly pitched that is as ear-raking. Uh his his lyricism is so generic, so unlike unmatchedly boring that there's there's nothing to what he's saying. And even in bad, like I had a f- hard time finding something that was like at least notably funny to like list off. Uh, Cause like recently I listed off a couple lines from the little Uzi bird album that were like funny to like, ironically, like look at this, how bad this is. There's nothing on here from his delivery that like stands out. And the thing was, even if there was fans on this album, you couldn't tell because his lyric, his delivery is so flat across the board that there, there isn't any like noticeability to anything. There's nothing that stands out. But not even that, even if it was noteworthy, everything in the delivery of this is so ear grating that it would suck out any funny or enjoyment factor that you could get from those lyrics. Yeah. Because at least in like 93 Punks is saying something incredibly fucking stupid in a hilariously yeah. bad way. It doesn't physically hurt you. Yeah. And it doesn't make you just want to shut it off because of how awful it sounds. 
that you can find enjoyment out of how shitty it is. There's so much in this album, so fundamentally unlistenable, that you can't even try to get through it to find things about it to make fun of. It's just yeah. bad. Um, Little Baby doesn't bring himself down. He brings everyone else down with him. The features on this, you got, you got Gunna with Heating Up. Fundamentally, the pairing of them just just showcases why their last collaborative album was so terrible because they literally bring the worst out of each other. Gunna is more nerdy and boring. Little Baby's more pitched and annoying. Like, the two fundamentally should not even be in the same room together because I think it brings the worst qualities out of each other. Like, fundamentally, there's no reason why these two should collaborate ever again. <laughs> uh, you have Future, who... <laughs> is honestly kind of fine like that's the most decent one on here i guess but it's like there's no kind of uh relatively fine because look at the things he's being compared to. yeah uh little uzi vert is uh boring which uh his last album eternal take was bad it was terrible but it uh i wouldn't consider it maybe boring because fundamentally you had this goddamn annoying front man on top of it that was always like either spitting like something really shitty <laughs> and like almost laughable or just like there's these weird fundamentally strange production moments at times so it was bad but it wasn't it wasn't boring but on this he's so toothless that i i'm i'm confused where's the little uzi vert that i've gunned uh, gone uh, the, where's the little uzi vert that i've come to uh know where is he on this? Because that's it's just empty. It's just an empty performance, which it maybe in some ways could be considered a blessing. But compared to the little baby, uh, I at least wanted something that was uh, enjoyable. I think because of his feature on this, we need to require him to change his name to a little squirt gunvert <laughs> because he does not have the teeth or the backing up to go by Uzi anymore. <laughs> Uh, that was that was terrible. I know, uh, Little but... Wayne is doing the same shit he did on Funeral, where it doesn't sound like Little Wayne. Uh, it doesn't sound like something you would get out of the hip hop bling era or the guy who made, uh, who revolutionized kind of pop rap in the mid two thousands. No, this is just someone who is copying that trend, but Little Wayne now copying the person who copied him. So it's a Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox. Uh, he doesn't sound like himself. He sounds like he's trying to replicate himself, almost some like artificial AI. Uh, and when he blends together with little baby, it becomes the most mind numbingly excruciating thing imaginable. His nasaliness, little baby's pitching, just, just, just un extraordinarily awful. Um, and then finally, young thug is just so unnoticeable that it hurts on here, which is, I, I don't know how you did it, but you, you did it somehow. Young Thug was just able to flash by my radar on one of these tracks. Um, this thing is an hour long. It was pulling teeth. When I got four tracks in, I wanted it to be done. Um, there's nothing rewarding, even in a negative way about it. Uh, there's nothing ironically fun about it. There's nothing, uh, I, I guess, exploratorily fun or, uh, I guess... I guess newly fun about it in the sense of it's creating something so bad that it's new and innovative. There's, there's like no innovative, bad qualities. This is just, 
it is just the trend of trap stretched out to the most uncharismatically boring conclusion that we're getting to is it's like this is now peak trap <laughs> the only yeah like that's the thing this album alternates between complete boredom and just ear raking garbage like there's no in between there's nothing to get out of this album because you're either going to be bored out of your mind or you're going to be in pain listening to it so there's you can't literally, even call this like an essential atrocity because there's no reason to listen to this. There's, it's not because there's no ironic or even fundamentally thing in society, I guess, or even in little baby himself that kind of like gives it a reason to exist. It's just like some is a trend. Like little baby progressed the trend of like peak track and like peak like emptiness in trap to where I thought we already reached with like Gunna's Lost Project or even like the thousands of other cultures culture 2 even like these tracks don't feel finished there's nothing standing out about them and there's no outs there's no good production on this thing like in the sense of it like it's able to take up from the space a little baby not that I think the production on this thing is completely terrible it's just basic trap but like it can't save little baby from himself so it technically is bad um and that's yeah the only way i could accept this album as being something worthwhile is if Lil baby literally came forward and said his goal was to kill trap music as a trend by bringing it to its ultimate awful conclusion this thing this album would also benefit from swedish songwriters (laughs) features trap beats oh it has features and it didn't work and it has trap beats, so maybe just Swedish songwriters. Just need some Swedish songwriters. It's 100% uncut rock, maybe. Maybe a Billy Joel feature or two. Yeah, this this album would have benefited a lot by just being the Green Day album, and that says something. Yeah. That album's um, terrible. Keep my eyes scores if you tell me this right now. I'm filling a, a, just like a, a zero. This is a true but, zero. But like not like a true zero and like Russ absolute zero because that's kind of like breathtakingly nothing. This is just like, I, I, don't, I don't know. We need to come up with some like new score. Like almost it gets to the point of like a negative one in some regards. This is, <laughs> this is a true zero because there is absolutely nothing in this worth paying attention to actually i think this is rock bottom this is yeah this is rock this is rock bottom this is musical rock bottom this is dwayne the rock johnson's finisher (laughs) we are here an album that makes me feel the need to apologize to logic for being too harsh is absolute rock bottom logic tried i'll give him that he was warning us all along it's not it's don't be afraid to be different yeah (sighs) gosh that, that I, I'm, done. I'm done. This is it. This is it for this week's episode of Anthony and Todd Show. Uh, next, or uh, until next time, guys, you can find us at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook by searching the, or at Anthony by finding us at Anthony Todd. You can find us YouTube.com forward slash the Anthony Todd Show, Patreon pa- at Patreon.com forward slash the Anthony Todd Show, and Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify by searching the Anthony Todd Show in your favorite podcast browser. Uh, until next time, guys, I've been Vincent. I'm dead inside. <laughs> but just also a bonus PSA. If, if you see this man, sorry, audio listeners, if you see this man and he tells you to eat dirt to prevent the coronavirus, uh, don't listen to him because he's 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 not all there. And he doesn't know how magnets work. <laughs> he does not know how magnets works. That's that's the one crew feature against him. Uh, 
also, but like the reason uh, eating dirt does not prevent coronavirus is you're supposed to eat the dirt with the rocks. The rocks are the healthy part, not just the dirt. <laughs> uh, but until next time, guys, I've been Vincent. No, I'm Jonathan. And see you, boyo- boyos, and see you next time. Peace. <laughs>